Welcome to the Point of Pittsburgh, the pod. I'm your host, Kevin Cray. And I'm Steve DiMaselli. Steve, uh, welcome. You were back in back from one of our fine territories of the United States, Puerto Rico. I am. Were you, were, you on a, were, were you on a scouting trip for the Pirates, or, or what was going I on? I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I phoned it in about that catcher in the 17th round. I was mm-hmm. like, I saw this guy at the uh, the restaurant the other day, and uh, man, he, he just looks like he could, uh, you know, there's some, somebody accidentally, like, you know, flung a shrimp across the room, and it was, you know, just, he just caught it, he framed it, like, just so perfectly that it, you know, it looked like it was a, a strike. Well, that was the worst joke. That was literally the worst joke I've told on this show. Uh, probably not. But I'm sure that when John Lopez signs, he'll uh, cut you a piece of his massive 15th round signing bonus and uh, pass it on to you. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's... I don't know. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about that. we got lots of draft talk to talk about. God, um, John... John, not, I would imagine he's not getting a big piece of the pie, though. He, John Lopez was born... In October of two thousand and five, yeah, I know. I looked at some of those. I looked at some of those birthdays, and I was like, "This is absolutely ridiculous." But, um, yeah, I, it, we're getting old, man. There's just no way around it. My God. Ugh. Okay. So, uh, while you were jaunting through Puerto Rico, we did not have a pod last week. Um, so we're going to. Uh, do a little recap on the old draft for you here. Uh, but first, I believe it's my time on the couch. Is that correct? That is correct. All right, so I got a good one. Uh, I wish people weren't uh, drawn like a moth to a flame to old pirates that happen to have like a good game or two. And this specific example is from last night's All-Star game with Elias Diaz, uh, being named the NL MVP for delivering a key hit. Um, the 32-year-old Diaz has been gone since 2019. Uh, he's been with the Rockies ever since then, and he's been uh, pretty terrible uh, overall, with weighted runs created plus of 67 for a couple years. Uh, last year, he was worth negative 1.4 F4. Um, you can't keep them all. You especially can't keep catchers who would now be 32 in this scenario. And just because he got a hit and just because some honk, uh, both local and national pointed out, Hey, this guy used to play for the pirates. Uh, you don't have to respond to it. Don't take the bait. It's like that, uh, uh, Tom Hardy meme from, Mad Max Fury Road where he points and says, that's bait, and that's what everybody did last night when it came to Elias Diaz. Stop it. Kevin, I hear you. So, uh, it's probably time for us to do a draft recap. We're going to go holistic here and then talk about the only pick that, uh, quite frankly, anybody even really heard of up until about three days ago. Uh and that's Paul Skeens. Um, but let's let's take a look at it writ large. And do you want to go first, Steve? Yeah. So um, 
you know, so so we just run down the draft at this point. Is that what you want to do? Is just yeah, lean how, off the different dudes. Okay, all right. However, uh, however you want to approach it. Well, let's. Why don't we let's let's talk a little bit about Paul Skeens himself and the and the pick because mm-hmm. I know you you aren't a fan uh, necessarily of it. I, I personally am, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, I just think you know, I, I think it's a matter of just taste, and I think we both. Uh, you know, I think he's the best guy in the draft. I, you think that Dylan Cruz is the best person in the draft. And generally speaking, I agree that, you know, the, the position player is the, the place to go. Um, I think we've talked uh, you know, we've talked a bit about Skeens at, at, at this point. We talked a little bit about him, you know, a few weeks back um, in terms of why I like him a little bit better. I just think his tools are maybe a little bit more, um, Major League ready. I think he's a little bit more. I think his the tools that he has. I think are going to translate into uh, a, a major league career, and I, I think that he's going to turn it around. And I think he could be in Pittsburgh, you know, very very soon, as soon as next mm-hmm. summer. And that's a lot to get excited about. And, and also, I think that Skeens is an interesting choice because you know they say you don't draft for need in baseball. Um, you know, and I think that's certainly true of a system level, okay? Um, but I do think that he, um, you know, I, I, I do think that he is uh, almost like drafting for need at the major league level. I mean, as good as Mitch Keller has been this year, um, you know, I, I don't know if, if you want to, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know if you want to, you know, count on him as the only guy that's going to succeed in the rotation. You know, it's usually good to put more than one good starting pitcher in your rotation. So, um, you know, I think that at this point, you know, don't get me wrong, the Pirates have some other prospects, uh, you know, sitting out there as far as, um, you know, they're, uh, you know, they've got some other prospects sitting out there that are getting close that could, you know, be helpful. But uh, Skeens is a front of the, an absolute front of the rotation type and is a guy that you're going to be able to hang your hat on. I don't know if Mitch Keller is going to be the guy that you, if you do make a playoff series that you want starting on short rest, you know, multiple times in a series. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Skeens is that guy. Uh, you know, I, I think he, uh, you know, obviously there's, uh, with the pitcher, there's a lot more injury risk, but I think he's the guy that sort of is, is really going to be the anchor to the rotation and, and only make everything better. Yeah, so I'm I'm perfectly fine with the Skeens pick. I would have preferred Dylan Cruz. Uh, I think if two things are equal, I would take the position everyday player over the pitcher. Sure. Um, when there was a lot of whatever, whether it was a smokescreen or real whatever, I quite frankly don't care. But when Cruz was coming out saying that he wanted ten million, you know, three hundred thousand over the nine point seven slot. And supposedly Skeens is going to sign for about 9.2. I was thinking, okay, if Cruz wanted more, the Pirates clearly could have paid him out of their pool, but they're going to take Skeens and then redistribute some of that money. And we we might be looking at a 2021 type draft where they go get one, two, maybe even three uh, guys who, who might have dropped and fallen and needed a little bit of extra money in order to get them to sign, similar to how the Pirates did with um, Anthony Solomon. 
in the Henry Davis year. But then once the draft started to play out, I look at this draft and I think, well, where's the money going? Because, okay, maybe Xander Muth uh, is going to require a little bit over his 1.1 million slot. Maybe he gets that extra 500,000. But in general, it, it was a very ho-hum by the numbers draft. I mean, even in their uh, even in their top 10, they only signed one senior. Right. And that, was, that was their ninth round pick. So, okay, even if you, quote, save his 184000 by only paying him like 5000 where's that money going? It just felt like a very paint-by-numbers draft aside from Skeens. Um, now, I'm with you. Skeens is number one. Number two, I hope he, uh, A, stays healthy, and B, can get a third, you know, good pitch uh, as much as I love that 102 gas and the slider, um, two pitches does not make a successful starting pitcher in the major leagues. No, no. And I mean, he does have a, a change. I mean, obviously, it's a little ways off of the uh, the first two, um, you know, or the first two pitches. But I, I know it is something that he is comfortable with. I, I don't think he threw it as much in in, in college. Um as, as maybe you'd like, but you know, when the, when the fastball and, you know, he, he could get away with two pitches. So yeah, you're right. He's going to have to learn to lean on that change a little bit more. Um, but it sounds like it does have the potential to be a plus offering. So I'm not, you know, I'm not super worried about it. And that probably, you know, making sure that is as good of a pitch as it possibly can be, is probably the one thing that could slow him down on his way to the majors. Yeah. So here, here's something about Skeens. Um, do you feel that it was getting a little too over the top about how great of a prospect he is compared to some other prospects that were out there? Um, you know, there was a lot of talk saying he was the best pitching prospect since Strasburg. And I was thinking, "Mm, Garrett Cole was pretty damn good coming out of, uh, UCLA. And then I know, uh, David Price was really good in Vanderbilt. Yeah, in his draft year, uh, and there's probably a few others that I'm thinking as well. But it, it kind of felt like to me that once there was like it had to be Cruz whole year had to draft Cruz, and then once there was like a sliver of sunlight, then especially Pittsburgh people, but even some national people mm-hmm. started to really hype up Skeens, and Skeens was gross. You and I were very sick. You and I were yeah. very early on the Skeens train. Um, yes. If either of us was more industrious, this is where we would go back to one of our earlier episodes and cut in some of our Skeens talk from literally our, probably our first couple episodes. We were talking about Cruz, Dollander, Langford, and Skeens. Um, and he, he delivered. He had a killer year in a probably the top conference in the country. Uh, but it just felt like it was getting a little over the top at the end. Yeah, I mean, I um, I saw like a all-time pitchers prospects um, yeah. or draft prospects list, and I can't remember who put it out. I can't. 
but it was just it, it just it, it had skeins number two and it just reeked of recency bias exactly like I, they didn't even they didn't even th- throw Garrett Cole on there like they threw a bunch of junk pitchers which I mean also does highlight the fact that you know great pitching prospects don't always pan out um you know just like any prospect though you know yeah. um you know including um you know including you know position players you know then not everybody works out you know so um but yeah I, I did i thought it was getting a little over the top i mean I, I don't know i mean it's it's hard to say if he's he's a better pitcher i mean like you know obviously you know you know there's a lot of people that throw 100 mile an hour gas these days you know, um, I mean, at the time with Cole, you know, I mean, uh, you know, he threw, uh, obviously, th- you know, Cole threw incredibly hard. You know, he didn't have the same, I don't know if he quite had the same level of command, but he also had four pitches that were pretty ready to go to, you know, um, I, I mean, I think his, you know, uh, obviously I think Skeen's slider fastball combo is better than, uh, you know, at the time of the draft, probably better than Cole's two best pitches. Um, but I mean, like, you know, f- yeah, it, Mark, it's he's Mark still Pryor. a good, he's still a great, you know, prospect. Mark Pryor was a great pitching prospect yeah. too. I mean, people were gaga about him. Yep. He was you said know, to have um, the perfect delivery until he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> until, until that perfect delivery, uh, you know, blew his arm out. Did he, did, was he a double Tommy John guy? Uh, he might've tossed a shoulder in also. Oh, he's a, a shoulder. Okay. That's right. That's right. I think he was a, he was a whole arm guy. Yeah. Yeah. He um, just went, he just went whole hog. He just, yeah. You know, and I, we don't have to deviate onto Garrett Cole here if you don't want to, but it, it sort of just goes to show you how great, how underappreciated Garrett Cole was here in Pittsburgh and how great of a career he's had. Yeah. He's um, wonderful. He's stayed relatively injury-free his mm-hmm. career. Um, you know, it, it's coming up. This is his 12th year in the league. Or excuse me, his yep. 12th, excuse me, his 12th year since being drafted. Um, so he's in his early to mid-30s now. Uh, and he's really carved out a nice career. Yep. Um, it should be a Hall of Fame career. I don't see why it wouldn't be. Um and that, that's, that's a really good career. Uh, he's fared a lot better career-wise. I think Steven Strasburg had the higher peak. But, oh, of course. But clearly not the, the duration. Um, sure. And then, of course, you're, you know Mark Pryor that we talked about had a, a blazing first couple of years and then just was ruined. Um, so I hope that Skeens has a Garrett Cole Pittsburgh Pirates career, which sounds like I'm damning him with faint praise, but uh, I think we've talked many, many times about my uh, admiration for Garrett Cole's 2015 season and how if it wasn't for a couple guys just having all-time heaters, he probably would have been the Cy Young candidate. Yeah, I know. I mean, he was um, he was awesome that year. I, I mean, you know, and, and I don't think it's crazy to say though that Skeens has the exact same upside as Cole though at mm-hmm. this point though. No, you know, agree. I, I think he absolutely has the same upside. Um could even be better potentially, you know. Yep. Um it's it's you know the the, the it's it's wide open at, at this point and and I mean you're right he does have some work to do. I do think that he's going to be able to get to the majors, you know, pretty darn quickly, probably faster than Cole did. Um 
you know, but I, I think that, uh, I, I think it was a great pick I, it, personally. Um, no, I mean, again, we can, we, we probably should go into the rest of the draft obviously too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. and I mean, they, 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 um, you know, I, I, I mean, they, they seem to be, uh, trying to JP Massey, everyone in the sec, you know, um, every pitcher that they could find with a, a six plus ERA. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, it's like that guy or the girl or the guy or uh, a woman that, you know, that, that just, they, they, they always date people that are just like complete projects because they think that they're going to be able to like fix them, you know, like this, you know, they're, they're, they're beautiful person, wonderful, kind soul, but they just date hot messes all the time because they just, they, they just think they can, you know, but it's funny. I actually kind of think that that's, that might literally be the pirates player development strategy. This, this regime's player development strategy might be um, loading up on arms and um and and just uh just developing them you know and, and stockpiling them and that might be their tr- the, the folks that they use for trade bait later on you know whether that's you know getting them to the major leagues as relief pitchers and getting them you know uh, getting them a couple of seasons under their belt and then you know trading away the folks that are already at the major league level you know um uh you know for for positions of need um you know, or it could be, you know, just trading them away while they're still prospects, fixing them while they're, they're prospects and, and turn them away. And I don't, I mean, I also don't see, I mean, you might not see the overslot guy in this draft. And, and I agree with you. I think it is Muth, um, or if that's how you pronounce his name, we're probably screwing that up. I don't care. Um, it's, uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out when he gets the, the major leagues, if he gets here, you know, um, but I mean, I see some pretty decently high upside people here. Um, and I think a lot of these guys are going to sign for pretty close to slot. Um, you know, I, I get that it wasn't a very exciting year, but last year they drafted a lot of low ceiling pitchers for me. This year they drafted a lot of guys that were, you know, that might be a little challenged right now, uh, that they are maybe not the best college pitchers, but they're guys that, you know, they, they still have high upside arms. Um, you know, it's not really always about what a guy does in college. Uh, you know, they're drafting guys for the pros, not for not for for what they did in college. You know, so and, and some of these guys are pretty raw, um, you know, and again, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about them. But I'm going to we're going to start with Mitch Jeb, who I'm sure you absolutely went bonkers for. <laughs> uh, hats off for uh the Pirates drafting a player that looks like he has a batting stance from 1918. Um, Wasn't that wonderful? He really does. It's yeah. a, a I, movie reel. I, I just wanted to see him like get a hit flash. and then run around like old timey style, you know, like <laughs> where he doesn't like really move his upper yeah, body. At that's, exa- like, that's exactly how I was trying to describe it. <laughs> like he's, yeah. it looks like he's running like a hundred miles an hour, but he's like, right. Just kind of like Walton. Yeah, yeah. yeah Modern thirty-day run, but yeah, it looks I, I mean, like he's. I hate to black cloud the kid in his moment of glory, especially considering he's about ready to sign for more money than uh, it'll take me probably ten years to make. Um, but uh, I just don't see it <laughs> with him. I, I oh, just, see, I, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with you on that. I mean, again, they have shied away from from uh, position players in this draft and like they had the last draft. But I mean, obviously, they're going 
they're going to hit tool forward. Um, and I think they're trying to take guys with hit tools and trying to develop some power in them. I think it's part of the reason why we're seeing some issues with Termar Johnson and the strikeouts right now might, might've been the same reason why we saw him with, uh, you know, Nick Gonzalez there for a while also, but you know, I, I mean, obviously he's got some other issues with his swing and miss as well too, but I, I just, you know, I'm, I like the idea of starting with, with a hit tool. Cause I've just seen too many power guys just come through that, you know, hit dinger after dinger, uh, you know, but they just can't, they just don't have the hit tool uh, to actually like put it all together, you know, when it actually matters. Yep. Uh, like, I mean, Jeb, uh, Mitch Jeb has a floor and that floor is probably somewhere, you know, I I mean, he's at least going to make, this guy's a a lock to at least make, you know, the high, you know, the triple A, you know, probably going to get a cup, almost certain to get a cup of coffee at the very least. Like for a guy that just got drafted, that's a pretty high floor. I mean, you know, um, you know, I, I, I mean, his ceiling's not massive at this point. But I mean, again, if they can figure out how to, um, if they can figure out how to a way to get a, a little bit more power on him, even if it is only gap power, then I mean, he could be a pretty valuable tool. I mean, this is a guy that had a, an elite contact rate. I mean, don't get me wrong; he had it with an aluminum bat. But um, can you kind of imagine? You know, but and it wasn't just. I mean, kind of imagine starting a game like Mitch Jeb is your leadoff hitter and, 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 and almost every time, you know, he's going to get, uh, he's going to, he's going to just foul some pitches off and waste some pitches. You know, if, if you're, but if by the second batter of the game, he's, he's putting the opposing pitcher at between five and six, seven pitches, you know, that's, uh, that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty good advantage, you know, for the pirates. And I think that's the kind of player that he might be. Um, he might actually be an Adam Frazier type with a better hit tool. Okay. Uh, I will respectfully disagree with you on that one. Um, I know he was ranked as the 46th best prospect by MLB and the pirates drafted him at number 42, but it just seems like when you're at that spot with the Pirates, I would have liked to have seen them go a little bigger. I'd rather see someone go higher ceiling than higher floor. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I, and I totally get that. Um, I, I mean, you had a few, you had a handful of, of, of high school arms that were in that position. Um, you know, I, I, Travis Acora, Cam Johnson, um, those are the names that sort of jump out at me that I, I was thinking of at that time um man what what must cam johnson's bonus demands be uh i i i don't know i I was honestly i i have to guess that they've got to be in the around the two and a half uh, three million range it has to be Um, more than that because he lasted yeah really long yeah Uh, i mean but at the same time though once he got past the sandwich round i mean you know unless a team was really prepared to like you know, go, go all in just with the rest of the next 10 rounds to sign him. Like, I, here's my thoughts. I think there's probably a, disc, a pretty big discrepancy between how teams rate him and how he rates himself at this point, um, you know, in terms of his demands. But I, I would think he was probably in the two and a half, three million. I just don't know if, you know, teams necessarily like saw him, you know, I mean, Harold Reynolds would have drafted him 
you know, in a heartbeat. But I mean, it's, uh, it, it doesn't seem like anybody else had all that much interest. Um, but no, I mean, I agree with you that pick they could have used on a college guy. I mean, I don't think it would have taken too much of a, it wasn't too much of a stretch. I don't think to, to think that the, 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 the pool money that they had there, they could have turned it into one of those 40 guys. But th- when they picked, there wasn't an Anthony Solomedo or a, a Bubba Chandler uh, mm-hmm. available to them. I mean, you got to remember those guys were, those guys were like mid first round picks in some mocks leading up to the draft. I mean, yep. they, they were expected to go in the twenties. I mean, I mean, here we are in the forties and like literally the, the, the high school prospects that were still available at that point weren't guys that were, you know, that much more highly rated than, than where they're at. And like I said, I, Sakura would have been my guy. Like, I, I really liked him and I liked his stuff package. It would have been huge to load up on, on, on a couple of massive arms. And then if they would have gone and, and still pick Xander Muth, then, I mean, that would have been just incredible. You know, three really upside arms to, to start the draft would have been something special. But um, yeah. I don't mind Jeb. You got you to gotta draw some, you got to bring some picture, you know, uh, some, some, some positional players into the, the picture as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, don't get me wrong. I, do I think he necessarily makes sense? Do I think he's a great fit? I don't know. Um, I mean, he's looking like a, you know, uh, second baseman at sort of at best and and the pirates i just feel like have just a copious amount of second baseman at this point um mm-hmm. but i mean i i could see him i don't know if i would put him in my top 20 prospects necessarily right now but i think that's just because i kind of like you know what they have going in that top 20 at this point yeah. now xander muth i might put in my top 20 i i like his i like his upside um he seems like he's a bit of a project um but he's definitely a lottery ticket arm. Like this is one of those guys that could uh, completely flame out um, before he hits high A, but he could also uh, be a guy that, that really takes it to the next level. If they, they find a way to, to, to help his control and command just sort of click, um, you know, a little weird deceptive delivery, um, you know, but he's, you know, he gets a, you know, he's, he's relatively young, I think even for a high school senior. Um, and, and, you know, he's, he's definitely, uh, he's, you know, he's already got a a good amount of velocity. Um, you know, I, I think he's, uh, he, like I said, he's a very, very high ceiling pitcher. Anybody else, uh, jump out at you that you want to highlight? Um, Garrett, I, I mean, the third round pick Garrett Forrester is, I mean, again, he's, he's hit tool forward. Um, I, I'm, I'm really not all that excited about him um, because, I mean, they, they really are going to have to develop some power with him because he's probably looking like a first baseman or a right fielder uh, at this point. So, I, you know, his, his just just being a hit for average sort of guy is just not going to, like, really profile super well. Uh, I like Carlson Reed, the guy that they picked up from WVU, because I think, I, I mean, I, I get that his ceiling is probably as a um, uh, a relief pitcher, but I mean, again, he's our, you know, he's a guy that I think could move pretty quickly um, and and also reach the majors uh, fast. Um, you know, again, we we've talked about you know getting more depth out of the drafts and and he seems like a guy that could you know at least get a cup of coffee and a and a chance you know sooner rather than later mm-hmm. i really like patrick riley the fifth rounder um you know i, I think that he's a guy uh again very good stuff package um you know probably ends up reliever long run 
but I mean, he has the if if they can work on his control, I mean, he has the potential to be a pretty elite relief pitcher. Um, one thing that I kind of noticed is they really sort of liked um, guys that might end up, you know, that they they could end up being lottery ticket starters um, from the uh, from the college ranks. But if worst case scenario, they're three pitch relief pitchers. So I, I think that they're kind of liking what they've got going with David Bednar at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the sense that, you know, you, you know, you only need two pitches, uh, to be a successful closer, but if you have a third, you know, it, it, it does really help elevate the rest of your stuff. Okay. So I agree with you, but is it a strategy that you don't go into a strategy or into a draft with the strategy of saying, I think these guys would be good middle relievers. No, you know, I mean, like when you draft, I, I, when you go as pitching heavy as they did, you know, nine of their first 11 picks were, were pitchers in the, in the, in the quote top 10 rounds of their pool. Um, and I get what you're saying that they're going to try to, to fix some guys that might be some damaged toys. Um, but I, I really hope that, even if a guy turns into a four or a five, I really hope that we're not just going in thinking, man, this guy's going to be a great seventh inning reliever, you know? No, I, I mean, and, but at the same time, if you get a seventh inning reliever out of the sixth round uh, or the fifth round, I mean, you're still doing, you're still doing just fine. You that, know, that as is long true. As you, that you is know. true. Yeah. So, I, I mean, like you want to at least get some value from these picks, you know, um, you know, and and ultimately, if you've got enough of those guys, then again, it frees you up to tr- make trades with them. You know, mm-hmm. or other people that are more established. You know, um, you can afford in three years if if three of these guys click and they're pitching well at the major league level, you can now all of a sudden contr- you, you can trade Colin Holderman with you know three years of service time left. You know, I mean, does, you know, is that necessarily the strategy that they're, they're looking for? Um, no, they're not. I mean, I'm sure they, you know, these guys have enough stuff or, or these guys have good enough stuff that, that, you know, again, if they can get things on the control side to click, you know, these guys could potentially pitch up, you know, even into the middle of the, uh, even middle of rotation type guys. I mean, you know, I'm looking at Hunter Furtado here, you know, I mean, he touches, uh, Touches ninety eight. You know he's a left hander that that hits uh, that's that's throwing ninety three ninety six. You know I mean some of that I'm sure is in in shorter um, in, in shorter outings, but that's that's stuff that plays up. You know I mean that's that's definitely not necessarily back of the rotation. Or it's not necessarily bullpen type stuff. You know this guy could this guy has the upside. It's just they've got they've got work to do. And again, we talked about, you know, we talked last week that, you know, they're not great at developing hitters, I, I, I don't think. I think they're pretty, you know, I think they're pretty good at developing pitchers. Um, you know, so I think they're playing to their strengths, if you want to call it a strength, um, you know, in in terms of what they're able to do. Um, you know, so I, I like the, um, I like the strategy. Um, I, I think that you... Because at least this year, I think you, they're not drafting guys that are really like exciting, but at the same time, they're drafting guys that do have higher upside than they did in last year's draft. I think just last year, I was very underwhelmed by the draft. And 
uh, you know, now Thomas Harrington looks like he's breaking out a little bit and, and could be a, uh, a little bit of an underrated gem from the 2022 draft. So it just goes to show you that you got to get these guys in the system and let the, let the minor league coaches start to work on them, get them into the program <clears throat> for some of these guys, get some weight training on them. So I think obviously it's way too early to judge any of this. Uh, it just kind of feels a little bit underwhelming overall of the draft for me. Yeah. And, and to your point as well too, like, um, you know, JP Massey looked like he was nowhere coming out of the draft and he's looking like he could potentially be a guy at, at this point too. You know, am I really, am I, am I very excited about JP Massey at this point? No, I'm, I'm not. But I, I mean, that being said there, he, he's looking a heck of a lot better and, and, and the parts are looking a heck of a lot smarter um, now than they were at the time when they selected him. So, um, yeah, you're 100% correct. I mean, let's give these guys a chance. Let's give them some time. Again, I'm seeing more upside in this year's draft than I did last year's. Um, so but only time will tell. And, and I, you know, obviously now I'm fully rooting for these guys, um, mostly because they didn't slip one pick to the Reds. In that case, I would very much be rooting against them. <laughs> Well, this is probably a good time for us to uh, part ways and bid adieu to our loyal listeners. Uh, I am Kevin Cray. And I'm Steve DiMaselli. Thank you very much.